Happy New Year! You survived another year, and it makes me feel so old that it's 2023. I also want to say uh, thanks for coming, those of you guys who are in um, our overflow room. So thanks for being here, which is a great reminder as we start off this new year that 8 o'clock has a lot less people, and Thursday night's a great option too. So I just want to continue to throw that out there uh, so that we can continue to invite people, invite people back to what God is doing. Now, if your year hasn't started off all that well, that's okay. You're here. And I believe that God has something for you that he wants to give to you. And if you've not received it already, I pray in the next few minutes, you'll walk away just really you know, excited about that. Before we jump into today, um, every year, uh, our elders uh, pray and process through, are there any other um, elders, potential elders that we should be looking at as part of our church? Because it's overseen, this church is overseen, you know, by a group of men who are just committed to serving God and serving others, don't get paid at all. And so we've been praying over these last several months and, and we talked to staff, we talked to volunteers, and we kind of narrowed down this list as we just see God in his word. And uh, we usually get down to one or two names and then we take them through a six to nine month process of interviews, of interviewing their, their spouses, and then they get to act as an apprentice elder for that time. And then if all of that goes well, and there's even more involved in that, then we bring them before you on this day. And so I'm excited to introduce to you uh, Marcus Munn, you know, has gone on this journey, you know, over this last year. And so what does that mean for you? Well, first, I'm going to ask you if this is your church to be starting to pray for them, you know, as they're kind of getting to this point in the process. Secondly, this is where you get a chance to engage. Uh, one of the ways that we ask uh, our congregation is if you have any biblical objection why this person should not be installed as one of your elders, then we need you to submit that to us in writing and you have to sign it. If you don't sign it, we can't read it and we can't follow up with it, but in writing so that we can actually then process through, you know, with you along those lines to make sure, you know, that we've done everything possible to say that Marcus is qualified according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus 1, and 1 Peter chapter five. And so if so, if he's qualified and we go through this process, the next Sunday, uh, Marcus and Jen will be up here and our elders will be up here. We'll be laying on hands. We'll be praying for them, setting them apart for his seven-year commitment as part of being an elder of this church. So it's a big deal, you know, um, and so this is new to you. It's really exciting. So I just ask you to pray. You know, I want you to join me in praying, you know, for Marcus, you know, for Jennifer, you know, as we continue down this process. So Jesus, thank you so much, you know, for bringing Marcus and Jennifer for so many years. They've been here, you know, serving so much behind the scenes. Thank you for his heart for you. Thank you for just how you just used him in so many powerful ways. We just ask, you know, for your wisdom as we continue to move forward in trusting him and entrusting ourselves once again to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so welcome to our second week of this series that we're calling A Healthy You. Now, let me be honest. I am not looking forward to this series at all. And now, if I were to ask all of you, you know, hey, do you want to be healthy? It would be very hard to find somebody in this room that says, I don't want to be healthy. We want to be healthy, but to do what it takes to be healthy are completely different things. 
And so uh, this is a challenging series. It's difficult. It, it's like uh, when you go to the doctor. Like uh, once a year, I go to the doctor and I get a physical and they, they, they you know, height and weight and blood tests, you know, as, and they, then you sit you down, you know, and you get to have a chance to have that conversation. The conversation always seems to start positive. Hey, you're doing well in these areas. Cholesterol's good, you know, all that kind of stuff. But here's areas that are not well. You're a bit overweight. Now that you're over 45, you get to have a colonoscopy. You're like, yay. <laughs> Thank you, doctor, for such great news. You know, many of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. There's always a but. Now, it's critical and it's important, though, you know, for us to go through to maintain or to become healthy, you know. And so what we're, gonna, what we're doing is we're going on this journey, and I believe that God has created us into four primary areas. And there, I realize that there's more, but the four areas of health that we're looking at is physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental. Physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental. Now, when I say those four, can you immediately identify which one of the four that you're actually fairly healthy? You know, some of you are going to say, yeah, physically, I'm fairly healthy, or maybe mentally, I'm fairly healthy, or spiritually, I'm fairly healthy. And then conversely, can you readily identify which one is probably your least healthy? You know, which is the one area like, ooh, that's probably an area I can already admit that there's some improvement that's actually needed. While you're processing that, uh, last week, Jay actually kicked us off with spiritual health, looking at where we're at in our relationship with God through his word and through uh, you know, just our co connection with him. Now, today, we're gonna talk emotional health. As we look at emotional health, our creator has a ton to say because he's the one who created us this way. I want to give you a heads up. I'm going to throw a ton at you today because as I prepared for this week, I realized there should probably be a four-week message just for this one. But my hope is, and, and what I'm going to bring you today, is that it scratches the surface enough to get the conversation moving outside these walls that you'll take something that we've talked about and that you'll have a conversation with a spouse or a close friend or a life group, somebody else, and you'll be like, you know what? I wanna talk about that further and that we'll see over time how we can become and, uh, more emotionally healthy. Now, as we get going, uh, I wanna say a couple things. First is that we do like to separate these, area in our these areas in our lives. We like to say, well, I'm emotionally a healthy person, I'm spiritually and I'm physically, and yet, you know this to be true, if you think about it for just a second, is that those four aspects are connected. They're intertwined, meaning one affects positively or negatively the other areas in significant ways. Uh, let me give you just a couple of examples. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever heard the term hangry, hangry. Okay, so, right, yeah, some of you guys are like, well, that's me, I am hangry, you know, right now, because this is the time of the morning. Hangry simply means I am physically hungry, but emotionally I am irritable, I am upset, and I'm angry, which is weird because it's a physical thing that's going on, but you're having an emotional response. See how they're connected? Uh, let me give you an example. Speaking of doctor visits, I don't know if you've been there in a while, but over the last 10 years or so, uh, the doctor's intake form has changed. You know, it used to just be, you just go in there and you give your blood and they talk about your physical health. Now, one of the questions that's on there every single time I go in there is how are you when it comes to depression? 
Have you been depressed in the last week or month? How severely? How the, now, why would a doctor who's checking in on me physically ask about my mental health? Because they have realized that my mental health affects positively or negatively my physical health and vice versa. And so they want to ask these questions because they know that they are connected and interrelated. Or, or maybe this one. Um, you ever been stressed out? doesn't matter. It could be really stressed out or a little stressed out. And you decided to go work out. It's weird. You went and, you went and worked out. But, and after you were done working out, you emotionally felt a little less stressed, which is weird because you didn't do anything related to what was causing the stress emotionally. You worked out physically, which provided some emotional relief by something physical. Okay? So you see and you can understand how all of these, we like to separate them, but they truly are interconnected. The reason I say that is because when you begin to identify an area that's not going well, it actually may be more linked to one of the other ones than you actually care to admit. And if you work on the other one as much as this one, you will actually find yourself in a healthier state. Now, I'm going to contend that even though they all affect each other, that one actually dramatically affects the other three greater than the other ones. And that is spiritually. And whether you believe in God or not, here's my contention. Is the other three, I can try to do a lot of things in my life to improve the health. Spiritually, I get a power and a sense that's greater than me, that if I'm healthy spiritually, it more than dramatically affects emotionally, mentally, and physically because it's a greater power beyond me that I need to actually help in those other areas. So that's what I would contend and why we can't separate and why the, the spiritual one is probably the most important, although they're obviously intertwined. Here's the last thing I wanna say as we get going. I would agree with that. <laughs> it's painful. It's a painful conversation. It makes me want to cry too. Uh, you actually have to work towards health, right? It doesn't help naturally. Our default is towards unhealth. If you do nothing, you become more unhealthy. You actually have to work to be healthy in any of those areas. In fact, I'm going to use the word intentional. We have to be intentional in order to be healthy. If we're not intentional, health doesn't happen by itself. And so with that as the background, let's talk about emotional health. As I said, we're just gonna be able to hit some of the highlights. Now, I had thoughts and plans for what I thought we were gonna talk about today, but something happened this week when I was doing the devotionals. I, I do an online devotional through God's word, you know, at 8.30, uh, Monday through Thursday, and we even have ones on Friday as well. Hashtag plug. So we just plug that on Facebook as well as, as on YouTube. And so if you're not doing something, I want to just encourage you to be a part of that. But anyway, as we're going through this, we're going through the book of Exodus. And as we're going through the book of Exodus, it's the story of how the Israelites literally exited out of Egypt as slaves and entered the promised land as free people dependent on God. That's the story of Exodus. So we're in chapter 14 this week, and chapter 14 is after all the plagues and all the things have happened, and now they're on their way to the promised land. The first obstacle they have upon leaving Egypt is they come to the, to the Red Sea, and they're stuck, literally between a rock and a hard place. They have the sea in front of them, and then they realize there's an Egyptian army behind them. And then as we went through chapter 14, I was like, 
oh my gosh, God, you're so amazing because this is exactly what we need to learn today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 14 as we try to answer, what do we need to do to become or stay emotionally healthy? In Exodus 14, in verse five, it says that I'm gonna jump around because there's too much in Exodus 14 that I hope you'll read on your own. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all these Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of the Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, which is the superpower of the day, each with its commander. Verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. Okay, stressful situation. Because here's what I want to do. One thing that all of us have in common from an emotional standpoint is at some point we get stressed. For example, raise your hand if some point over the holidays you were a little stressed. All right. How many of you are still stressed this morning? Okay, so we're just being honest here. So uh, we all have this level. So I want to try to deal with this emotional stress because I think it's kind of a level playing because there's so many emotions and so many different ways to hit this. And so here would be a stressful situation. You're going to die. Yeah, that's pretty stressful. You see this army that's about ready to attack you. You have no way out and you're gonna die. Now, the Israelites get a bad rap and rightly so on a number of occasions. But I want you to notice in this instance, they did the first thing right. Which when we go through emotional hardship or stress, our first response should be like the Israelites, which was take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. When you and I are stressed, we are called by God to bring our stress to him. And the Israelites passed with flying colors. Their first response in their panic nature is they cried out to God. Now, let's be honest. Do many of us do that? The answer is no. Most of us, if we're honest, when we are stressed, we rant. We rant to friends, we rant to spouses, we rant in social media. Why? Because it makes us feel better to let off some steam. So we let it out. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I know for me, uh, I'm, when I'm emotionally stressed or emotionally de depleted, I might from time to time find myself going to the refrigerator when I'm not physically hungry. Don't look at me that way. Some of you are exactly the same way. Why? Because it creates a dopamine effect that temporarily makes me what? Feel better. You do this as well. It may not be that. Let me give you a couple examples so I'm not the only one underneath the bus. For a great number of people, you know what it is? It's an escape from the emotional stress or turmoil. And many people turn to media. So let me throw a couple of these things out there. Like... Social media, you will find yourself scrolling on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook for a long time. Digital media, TV shows, movies, sports media, news media, we go there for an escape because we actually find ourselves with a dopamine hit. But here's the crazy part. The longer we engage in media, when we're actually done, most of us don't feel better. We actually feel worse. And yet we still turn to it because we don't want to deal with whatever stress you and I might be facing. 
Now, maybe for others of you, when you find stress, you find yourself on Amazon, right? One click and new packages show up at your door and it makes you feel better just at least for a few moments. For others, it could be alcohol. It could be just sex. It could be pornography. Why? Even though it's emotional stuff that we're going through, physically you feel good temporarily because it alleviates the stress. And yet, after we engage in those things, it doesn't alleviate the main issues of what's causing us. And many of us walk away feeling worse than when we actually began. So what God is trying to help us with because he's the creator, is he says, when we are stressed, not if, but when you're stressed, go to him first. Jesus says it this way. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now I've read that verse so many times when I was a kid, all the way through, and I struggle with that because it was like, okay, I've come to you, Jesus, but I still feel stressed. So he tells us, well, it's because you gotta keep reading. Then he says, take my yoke upon you. Okay, I'm not a farmer. I have no idea what that means. Which is why he goes to the next phrase, let me teach you. You see, it's, it's like you're a basketball player who's right-handed and the coach needs to actually now teach you how to now dribble and shoot left-handed. It doesn't feel natural and it doesn't feel right at first, but the longer we learn from the coach, and learn from the teacher, it actually becomes the best thing for us. Why? Because Jesus is humble and gentle at heart, and we will find rest for our souls. For his yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Or how about in Philippians 4, 6? Do not be anxious about anything. What should it be our first response? In every situation, by prayer and petition. Prayer is offering something to God. Petition is doing it all the time, doing it regularly. Here's what I can tell you about my life. If I pray about an emotional situation that I'm stressed out about once in the morning, oftentimes it doesn't go away. So is God's word wrong? Or did I forget the second part? Petition over and over and over and over. I have to continue to bring it to God on a regular basis. And over time, it begins to lessen. And then it says, with thanksgiving, different sermon, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a continual thing that we have to do. So God calls us to cry out to him. And I don't know what your year is looking like that, but I can just tell you, I'm emotionally exhausted, more so than I can remember. And I know there's a cumulative effect of COVID, and, and then, but these last you know, number of weeks, there's just been a lot of stuff going on in my life. And I know that there's seasons where you're feeling this as well. And this is a timely start to our new year if we can understand that we go to God first. And if somebody else comes to us first, that you and I might also encourage them together, we bring it to him, which actually leads us to the second point. So let's go actually go back to our story. In Exodus 14, verse 11, and then they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. <laughs> I love the honesty. You know, like, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Now they forgot that they were the ones who cried out to God for many years and he heard their prayer, but who's talking logic when you're emotionally done, right? Remember, they think they're going to die. 
So they're taking now, they've talked to God, they cried out to God, and now they've brought it to Moses, which actually is not a bad thing. So I want to remind you, after we go to God, secondly, it's okay. Share vulnerably with a healthy person or people. Shall vulnerably be with other people. Do you have a small group of healthy people that you can share emotionally and honestly the things that are going on in your life? Are you that person? Maybe it's a better way to start. Or, or do you have those other folks? In other words, become or be around great listeners, not the people who just throw gasoline on the fire that's already burning. In other words, you're like, I am so stressed out. And you start telling a friend and they're like, oh my gosh, you should be stressed out. And you're like, oh, I'm really stressed out. And so you're like, they're thinking they're helping, but they're actually just keeping it at a very high emotional state, which actually doesn't help. But we are to go to one another. Some of you grew up, like I did, at times thinking that Christianity was supposed to be about me and God. You know, I'm supposed to have this relationship. In fact, if I'm going to be tough, I don't show emotion. I don't share emotion. I'm not vulnerable with others. And yet that's not biblical. Because here's what the Bible says. In Galatians 6.2, share each other's burdens. And in this way, we obey the law of Christ. So are we able to share and also receive other people's burdens so we can walk through this life emotionally, not isolated by ourselves, but we go through it with other people. Romans 12, nine says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them, always be eager to practice hospitality and then be happy emotionally with those who are happy, but also weep emotionally with those who weep. So maybe as you come into this year, maybe one of the areas that's going to lead to your emotional health is actually evaluating your deep friendship base. Because there's different groups of friends. We all have them. you got acquaintances. you got close friends. And maybe as kids, remember you used to use this phrase, who's your best friend? And do you have more than one best friend? Do you have a couple of those people? Like, I'll be honest, in my own life. In my life, I have my wife, my first best friend. I also have our elders, you know, at our church. And not every lead pastor can say that but I can honestly tell you that they are more than just co-workers for the kingdom of God. They are deep friends. And the longer we're in relationship and serving, the deeper it goes. One time a month, all we do is spend three hours talking about how each other's doing. That's a group of, you know, seven, eight guys. And it takes us a few hours to be able to do that. And it is so enriching and so healthy. I'm also in a men's group, you know, as part of our church. And there's a group of guys within our men's group that I meet with on a regular basis that we share each other's burdens and we talk about what's going on. And it is so uplifting and it is so helpful. And I cherish these guys as we are building and have built relationship. I also want to be honest with you and let you know that once a month, I go see a professional counselor. Once a month. You know, and it's, but it's not based on need. It's a based on habit. Because here's what I've realized about myself. I am a master at turning the emotional conversation upon you and not keeping it on me. So uh, in other words, you ask me how I'm doing, I will answer. But as soon as you start hitting things that are a little sensitive or what I don't feel comfortable talking about, I will quickly flip it. I'm a master at it and talk about you because I want to make it about you. 
And then most people don't see that. I do this with my wife. I do this with the elders. I need people in my life who are going to recognize that I am pushing back on that and they will dig further. And that professional counselor, he doesn't get, let me get away with Jack. You know, and I can't stand it when I go to him, you know? And so, but it's a healthy, it's a healthy thing, you know, for me. And it's something that I need. Now, what about you? Do you have those people? Can you readily identify, you know what? When I'm struggling emotionally, these are some people that I know immediately that are healthy, that I can go to. They're going to direct me towards God. They're going to give me godly advice and counsel. They're going to be helpful in this situation, not inflame something, but actually help me walk through with what's best, even if it's hard to hear. Do you have those people? Um, I went to a seminar that Dr. John Townsend, you know, he wrote some great books on this subject. Uh, one of the ways, this is just one way that you can help identify uh, who those people might be in your life. And that is... Date your friends. I know, sounds weird. But date your friends. And when you go on a date with your friend, here's what I want you to do, is share something, something small, but something vulnerable. Something small, something that's going on in your life, something vulnerable, maybe not shared. And here's what you're looking for. What's the reaction? If the reaction of that person is to lean in, to ask questions, to be curious, you know, to want to know more, you know, to, to empathize a little bit, then you're like, ooh, that's a candidate of somebody who may become part of my inner circle. If their response is to change the subject, make fun of you, laugh it off, or turn it completely about what's going on in their life, then keep them as a friend, but they may not be one of those deep friends. Does that make sense? It's just one little tip that I have. Again, all the things we're talking about, we could spend weeks on each one of these things. Now, if you don't have these guys, if you don't have these gals, where do you find them? This is what we want to offer as a church. Smaller groups. We call them life groups here. So Rooted was already pushed earlier as a great way to quickly go deeper with some other people. And I would strongly encourage you to make time for that. Maybe it's a men's group. Maybe it's a women's group. Maybe it's couples group. Maybe it's a youth group. Maybe it's a young adult group. We have all CR groups. We have so many different groups in our church. Try and find one where you can start meeting a group of friends where you can actually then go deeper with. And this is a great time of year to start because so many of these groups are just beginning, you know, or beginning anew on a regular basis. Let me just say it simply this way. To be healthy emotionally, you need deep friends. Okay? You, you can't do it by yourself. God didn't wire us to do it by ourselves. We need other people to be able to become who God has called us to be. We'll talk about how that applies to physical health next week, but when it comes to physical health, it's the same thing. One of the things that I've always wondered, maybe you have as well, is why do we have to go through such hard things emotionally? Why do we have to do it? What's cool is that God helps us understand at least one reason. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given to us. You see, when we cry out to God first and he provides that comfort, it's fascinating how you will run into people who go through very similar circumstances that you went through and that you'll be able to be used by God in their life to provide comfort. See how we need one another with God at the center? That's how he has wired us. So the first thing we're supposed to do is go to God, 
Second is that, do we have those group of other people we can go to? Small, small group. So let's get back to our story for number three. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. <laughs> Have that ever said that to somebody? Calm down. That's exactly what Moses is telling the people. We've got to calm down. In other words, be still, slow down, take a step back, breathe. Psalms 40, 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored and every nation will be honored throughout the whole world. That word know is to actually experience personally. Be still and experience me, but you're not gonna be able to experience me unless you are still. So Moses is like, let's bring the temperature down everybody and let's calm down and let's be still. So some of that is breathing and taking the time to be silent. It's fascinating and going to the counselor and some of you guys have done, you can look on, you know, online about how our brains are wired and we emotionally get flipped. And when we get to that state, what we can do physically that helps us emotionally to calm down is simply to breathe, right? There's these breathing. If you breathe in and out slowly, just even 10 times, if you were to, we just got into that happen. It's fascinating how God has wired our brains. When we actually take physical breaths, how our brains begin to relax emotionally in order for us to be able to calm down, to be able to experience what we're supposed to experience or think a little bit more clearly. Because one of the things that I think that we forget is that when we're still, we have a chance to be reminded that God isn't surprised and that God is still in control. The Israelites just walked through 10 life-altering, never-before-seen-in-the-history-of-mankind plagues, and they forgot very quickly. Moses says, chill out and watch what God is going to do once again if we can calm down and remember, God's not surprised by this. We are, which is why we're emotional, which is why we're you know, stressed out, which is why we're going through this. And also to be reminded that God is in control. And I know for my personality, that helps so much to say that I don't have to be. And that could just help calm me emotionally. Psalms chapter 56 says it this way. But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. I will praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Or Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And this is, I looked at the Hebrew word. This is the best way to translate this part of this phrase that many of you have heard before, but they who wait, who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. So a few weeks ago, I got a chance to go see the eagles again at Coeur d'Alene. If you get a chance, they're still around. And today, it's such majestic beings and what a great picture and reminder. But how do we get the strength? Waiting, being still and allow God to do his thing. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Again, I'm just scratching the surface and some of this stuff so far. We've talked about taking it to God, taking it to others, being still. And again, the only order is the first one. The first one's most important. The rest of these order can be however it can, can manifest in your life. Lastly, what we learn from the story, go back to Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. 
pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea onto dry ground. Some of you have been waiting for this. Do your part, okay? There is a part that you can play emotionally in the process. So we've already talked the first three things, but there's a part that we play. And one of those is recognizing where you are at emotionally. Take an emotional inventory, just like you would do a physical one. Let me give you an example. How many guys have heard the phrase, show your hands again, cried over spilled milk? Okay, cried over spilled milk, right? What does that mean? It means that there is an over-emotional response to something that is minor, some milk gets spilled, but somebody just goes nuts about it. You know, it's like the straw that breaks, break, breaks the camel's back. I love all these metaphors I'm using, you know, for you to be able to, you know, process through. Let me put it in our vernacular. Have you ever found yourself or somebody else overreacting, like way emotionally, than they normally would under a certain circumstance? Like you get cut off in traffic and you freak out, okay? I mean, you just flip out. Or have you ever watched uh, recent videos of people like overreacting a little bit in restaurants or at airports, you know, or other places like that? And you're like, wow, that person is insane. And you'd be right. Emotionally, they are tapped out. They are done. They are crying over spilled milk. Oftentimes, by the way, it's for a lot of us who do not recognize where our emotional tank is because we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about the other areas of our lives. We want to talk about emotional tank. But here's the reality, you know, when it comes, let me give you one more example before I jump into this. It's the same when it comes to working out. Okay, if you've ever uh, gone to work, just think of the bench press. And whatever amount you put on the bench press, you just start pumping iron, okay? And you don't stop. After a while, very short while, your arm's going to get tired. Now you might say, I'm not going to stop. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take off some of the weight. So it gets less, keep going. It gets less. After a very short time, you literally will be left with the bar, 45 pounds. And imagine somebody walking in on you as you're going with the bar and they're like, wow, that person is pretty weak. No, what they don't know is that you have been working out for this time and your muscles need time to rejuvenate themselves because that's how God created you in order for you to continue to lift weight. Why would we think that emotionally we're any different? We live in a culture, guys, that is at a pace and stress load that God never designed us to experience. And we wonder why we're so emotionally tapped out so often because we are running at such pace. So I'm gonna ask you to do an inventory, which is to recognize what fills and drains your emotional tank. Now, I got this illustration from a guy by the name of Wayne Cordero, who's a pastor in Hawaii, if you want to go a little further with this, especially those who are leaders, he gave a phenomenal talk called Dead Leader Running. And when it comes to things uh, that are in your nature, we all have an emotional cup. That means we're always pouring ourselves out regularly emotionally, and we're supposed to be intaking things emotionally in the way that God wired and designed us. But here's what happens. When you stop filling your emotional tank, it'll start with things like crying over spilled milk finding yourself more impatient than usual, more, you know, anxious than normal. You know, we'll talk about anxiety in a couple of weeks, you know, uh, when we talk about mental health. But uh, what happens is, is that you'll go down and you'll eventually get to a point emotionally where you will actually suffer what's called an anxiety attack. 
And then if you still don't find yourself being poured into, you will experience an emotional breakdown. And if you're still not finding yourself filled, you will actually experience what they call a nervous breakdown because you are more depleted than you've ever been in your life. So you have to recognize what it fills and what drains your tank and act accordingly. For those of you in the room who are known to pour yourself out to others, your family, uh, other people, your friends, if you don't take time for yourself, which you believe actually in your, in, in your mind is selfish, you actually become a detriment to the, the people you're actually trying to serve on a regular basis. And those of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. Because I live with one of them. You know, one of the greatest servants I've ever met is my wife. I'm always encouraging her. Like, take time for yourself. You got to understand what fills you and stuff like that. She says, I can't. No, you absolutely have to. So let's start with this. What drains you? Do you know what those things are? Do you know what drains your emotional tank? Uh, let me give you a couple of mine. Unresolved problems at home at work. Oh, it is, I, I don't know much more that emotionally drains me than when, when, when there's odds you know, that are taking place and there's unresolved issues. Uh, secondly, meetings that are so detailed in nature and don't move us forward in mission and purpose. Oh my gosh, I am bleeding dry every minute that goes by in one of those meetings. To be like, why am I in here? You know, just take me out now. Other people are like, this is great. I'm like, no, it's not. It's terrible. Uh, constant criticism with no winning. I don't mean constructive criticism. That's healthy. Constant criticism, which is why I think um, COVID did a number on me because I felt like emotionally there was no win. There was no win. There was no conversation in certain conversations and instances. And so I could feel emotionally depleted. Uh, how about for me, people who complain about things over and over, but really don't want to do anything about it. I'm the wrong person to complain to about that. You know, just because I'm just like, okay, you really don't want to do anything about it, then don't complain to me because it drains me. I know that that happens. Now, emotionally pouring myself out in the lives of others. It's draining. It's healthy, but it's draining. I'll give you an example. Uh, today and every Sunday, I go home and I am emotionally drained. I'm spiritually drained as well. And there's some physical draining that takes place, but I'm more emotionally drained than anything else. I just find myself just, ugh, as you pour yourself out to others, even though they're good things, you gotta recognize that you are drained. So what drains you? Okay, now conversely, what fills you emotionally? Would you be able to know exactly what those things are? What is it that after you're done in the way that God created you, that you feel better? See, one of the things that I grew up under was that there were things that were sacred and things that were secular. And if it was sacred, I was told those are the right things to participate in. And they're secular, they're not. Let me give you a few examples. You know, Christian music, that's supposed to be sacred, but non-Christian music is secular. Don't ever participate in that. You know, uh, 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 Christian movies are sacred, but any other movie is secular and don't participate in that. Those are, that was kind of the background I came up with. And then I realized as I got older that the lines are a lot more blurred than that in the way that God wired us to emotionally be filled. One of my aha moments, I'm really going to date myself. One of my aha moments was a secular movie called Chariots of Fire. Okay, in Chariots of Fire, there's this guy named Eric Liddell who's been called by God to go be a missionary in China, but he's also really fast. Now his wife wants him to stop doing all this foolishness and this running and get to the serious, super important godly matters and go to China. 
And so he pulls his wife, Jenny, aside and he says, look, look, I, I agree with you. I'm supposed to go to China. She gets so excited. And he says, but you need to understand that God also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. So there are ways that God has created you to experience him, other people, and just how he's wired you for your emotional tank to be filled. I'll give you a couple of mine, and some of which are sacred, some of which would be secular if we looked at it. Like, let, me, let me give you, you know, a, a, a few examples of this. Uh, for example, time with God. Okay, As intentional as that is, and here's I'm going to be honest with you. There are many times I finish my time with God, and I don't feel any better at all. But what happens is the intentionality over time pays dividends. We're going to talk about this next week. You don't really feel really good when you start working out for the first time, but you actually feel better if you start doing it on a regular basis. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, for me, when I get away with some others to the mountains to go hiking or fly fishing, we go golfing. Those are fills. I walk away from those activities going, that was a fill today. Uh, when I get together with my men's group or one-on-ones, like I mentioned earlier, uh, when I date Carolina, or especially when I get to travel or do overnights with just Carolina, no kids. Okay, that is a fill. With the kids, it can from time to time, but also they're just family trips, you know, and those are good things, you know, as well. Uh, when I work out, I just feel better emotionally. When I go to a conference or mission trip, even though I hate flying, I am truly filled and excited upon returning. Uh, when I meet, meet and help someone, you know, it's an emotional fill. It really is. When I know that I made a difference in the life of someone else. And then lastly, you know, I just threw this one out, watching and attending sporting events you know, is a fill, <laughs> as long as my team wins. Otherwise, it's a complete drain, you know. Uh, same thing with my kids, you know. I realized that on Friday night. I was so mad, and I'm like, why am I mad? I'm just watching my kids. Anyway, but here's what we tend to do. Here's what gets absolutely insane, guys. When we get busy, which happens all the time, what do we do? We stop doing the things that fill us, which is literally insane, because your emotional tank will continue to go down and you're wondering, why am I stressed out all the time? Could it be you took away the things that actually fill because you were fooled to think if I just put more time in at work or with this situation that is draining, it'll actually be more filling, which it may take away some of the emotional drain, but it usually doesn't bring the fill that you need. And so my assignment for you is to do this exercise with your spouse, do it with a friend, do it with your life group and be able to go around and say, here's what drains and here's what fills. Do you know one of the best examples of someone who's, 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 who does this, who, who did this on a regular basis? Jesus. Do you understand how many times he pulled himself from the crowds so that he could get away from people so that he could be filled? Did he still have more work to do? Was there still opportunities to teach, opportunities to heal, opportunities to help? Yes, but he knew as God in human form who went through all the same things that we go through and can teach us a different way to do things, pulled himself on a regular basis. Now for us, I'd encourage one more step. You gotta calendarize it. Those of you who are driven by your calendar, if you don't, something else always fills its place. Know how God wired you and he created you. So as we close, what we've learned today from Exodus 14 and just scratching the surface on this is can we take it to the Lord first? Secondly, can we share vulnerably 
with one or two or three or four other people? Can we be still and can we do our part? That's what God is calling and leading us intentionally so we can work towards health emotionally. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today and the opportunity we have, Lord, just to be in your presence. I just pray you would just lead and guide our next step with whatever that may be. And God, if there's anybody in this room or watching you know, uh, in the other room, I pray that this would be the moment that we would say, Jesus, the number one thing I need to do is turn to you. And I pray that that would be a regular reminder for all of us in the midst of going through whatever stress we might be facing. Help us to experience the emotional health you've created and designed us regardless of our circumstances. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.